Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SCP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Zach Darnell. Joining me as my co-host today is Jyotsna Raghuraman. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me as, as our co-host. I think we're going to have a fun combo today. We have Jen Browning with The Last Mile joining us. Jen, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. Uh, also with us is Jacob Briggs, who's actually a, a graduate of The Last Mile. Jake, how are you? Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate all of you for being a part of this conversation. I think this will be a, a fun, fun show. Jen, just to kind of kick us off a little bit, give us a little context. You know, um, what's your role with The Last Mile and kind of what are you up to, you know, kind of on a day-to-day basis? So I do everything Last Mile related in the state of Indiana. The program is out of California. So I think an easy way to explain it is I help all the participants who are actually in the program and learning software engineering. I I work with them more now than before. We have a better, it's more organized, but for pre-release re-entry transitional needs. There are a lot of collateral consequences from being incarcerated and sort of, you know, the Department of Corrections and the Last Mile program are working really hard to find ways to open up the paths to, you know, a better life for us. And on a day-to-day basis, anything program-related within a correctional facility, I also handle. And then I work for I'm in central office downtown for Department of Corrections. So all the projects that we're sort of thinking of and collaborating on for the reentry process and tech companies, connecting directly with tech companies, helping employers walk the path of hiring the formerly incarcerated and that kind of thing. That'll be fun to get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds like you got a lot on your plate, just a little bit. Uh, I have at least 7,000 emails. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm always oh, behind. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> sounds sounds like a busy schedule. Yeah. So, Jacob, uh, kind of same question. A little bit about you and, and kind of what you're up to these days. Okay. So I'm currently a software engineering apprentice at SEP. Uh, Very yeah. cool. Wake up early and stay up all all day and all night coding. And uh, yeah, it's it's really what I've always wanted to do. And I love it, man. That's awesome. Jess, I'm going to let you kick us off here. Okay. So this question is for Jen. How would you describe the last mile to our viewers? Can you tell us the story behind its origin? So the last mile is a web development program for the incarcerated in prisons. And I think they're in about 12 different states now. It began in California 
the couple, Chris Redlitz and Beverly Parenti. I, th- I believe Chris was mentoring at the men's facility in San Quentin entrepreneurship, and but he was also in the tech world and he, you know, he saw an opening. He thought, wow, what if I could create a way to teach these men software engineering because the market was really dry for actual employees and coders. And so he did it. And he, it, you know, security and safety is a huge issue in prisons. And so he had to figure out a way to create curriculum, you know, digitally without the internet. And they tested it, had the year program there. It went really well. They looked for a women's facility in the U.S. and connected with Indiana, uh, the Governor Holcomb and Commissioner Rob Carter from DOC and piloted a women's program here at the Indiana Women's Program on the west side of Indiana or Indianapolis. I actually was incarcerated in the program then. And so that's how I got involved. But TLM has just grown so much, just alone what they've done throughout the U.S., but in in Indiana specifically. They saw the opening for the educational and the vocational opportunity for the incarcerated. And obviously, employers need coders. <laughs> but the reentry and then the transitional need, if that component's not there, the job's not going to work. And so they've recently, they collaborate and work a lot with Google. And so they're now starting to scale out like a bigger reentry program process and they've hired advocates and that kind of thing. In Indiana, <laughs> that's just been my job. So I've also got, I guess I've got Jen's <laughs> reentry transitional process. So, so yeah, um, you know, they have their folk. Well, I guess, I don't know, like being in the classroom and stuff. I, when I was incarcerated, I was only there for about six months. So I, you know, working with them now and a lot, you know, I think Jacob might answer that better because I don't really have that perspective, but, you know, TLM's just been great. Yeah. So it sounds like there are some really unique constraints and restrictions for, you know, teaching people, you know, the art of software engineering. You know, can you tell us about some of that? You mentioned no internet. Yeah. How does that, how does that work when you're walking through the program? <laughs> so they built like an, like a local, you know, they bring in a server. Like a an intranet? Server. Yes, exactly. And yeah. And so everything's fed through their, through the student computer, through that. And then they created the curriculum in an LMS. And they've also, now they have like, they have sort of a pre-created GitLab and Stack Overflow and uh, ClipArt and stuff like that. And then it, as they walk through the program, there's presentations. And so they can get somewhat of a DevOps experience as much as you can in that situation. So. I mean, that sounds simulated, like basically they've simulated, you know, as much of, 
you know, what somebody would see in the real world as possible. Yes. For the prison environment, they've done a great job at, yeah, providing as much as they can with security and safety for the students to help them. That's that's just so beautiful. I, I know I had a chance to look at the resources that are available to the students, and it's just it's just amazing the infrastructure that has been created without the inter- internet. Yeah, it's um, it's profound. Software engineering is not an easy. <laughs> it's not easy to learn, anyways. So to do it in that environment um, with the stress and the schedule without the internet. And a lot of the participants in the program, some of them have never even had a computer. So oh, wow. that's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you do have different perspectives and walks of life. And so it's, it's a huge learning experience and to see how it, how the program just changes somebody's life is it's the heart and love of my job. Oh, that's wonderful. Jacob, tell me a little bit. You went through this program here not too long ago. Tell us about your experience through that, you know, kind of within those constraints. And then I, I, I'm kind of curious also, as you got into your first role, you know, what were some of the things that, that you kind of discovered in that transition? Yeah. So like, as Jen mentioned, I was in a class with about 10 or 12 people and and some of the guys in my class had to learn how to type before they could even learn how to code. You know, Um, like she mentioned, there were guys, you know, who have been incarcerated for 20 or 30 years already and have never had a smartphone, have never been on the internet, uh, didn't know how to type. And so, uh, you know, we all kind of worked together to, to teach those guys what they had to learn and, you know, get all on the same page. And then we tried to, to learn everything together week by week, all the way up to and including like web development and software engineering practices and all that stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was interesting learning all that stuff in that environment, right? It's a super stressful environment and it, you know, it's not the ideal place to be learning something, but uh, that coupled with like no access to the internet made for a, a very interesting learning experience. But overcoming the challenges of not being able to like Google your way out of a problem, right? Like thinking about out of the box solutions and having to, you know, like discover ingenious solutions on your own that maybe, you know, you wouldn't have come up with if you could have just Googled something. Uh, it really taught me how to be a better coder. I think it did all of us. And, you know, later on down the road, when I got my job as, you know, a software engineering apprentice, those skills of like that different kind of insight, you know, getting yourself out of a problem on your own without just relying so much on Stack Overflow or Google or something like have really paid off. You know, it gives me like a, a different experience and, and, you know, some, some different insight when I'm helping out with a project. That's really cool. So what did a typical day look like for you in the program that, how do you develop those skills when you don't have anything, when you start off with nothing? I mean, not even knowing how to use a smartphone or a computer. How do you do that? It was, it was a slow process, right? So it's a 12 to 18 month program. And the first few weeks were just spent like you know, teaching us how to turn a computer on and uh, like very basic typing lessons and 
what a web browser was. I mean, like we started at the very beginning, uh, you know, as if you were trying to teach somebody how to use a computer who had never been on a computer because some of them hadn't. And so we slowly progressed from that all the way into coding. And I mean, the time constraints are what made it difficult. Um, So we would have like three hours in the morning of like solid computer time. And then we would have to go back to our dorm for lunch and then we would have like three hours in the afternoon of computer time. And so it's just, it's not a lot of time in the day when you're trying to like build a project, you know what I mean? Like to constantly be having to stop what you're doing and go back to the dorm and then be in that other environment where you have to really detach yourself from coding and focus on what's going on around you, right? Because you have to be paying attention to that. And then you have to go back to your project and try to pick back up from where you left off. So Definitely interesting challenges. I'm kind of curious about some of the like the resources. Jen, you, you mentioned Google. Are there other partners that works with The Last Mile? I'm thinking Microsoft, AWS, some of the bigger boys that maybe provide some specialized training or resources, you know, kind of in that simulated environment. So they do. It's, I don't even know how to answer that. They do have, they have a major partnership with Google. As far as I know, like other than that, the partnerships are created at the state level. So everything that the last mile is partnered with here, we've created. And they do have partnerships with, they do have a large one with Slack where they've kind of walked the path of having a company hire an apprentice and pay them and provide them with housing and seeing what's needed and how that looks. Other than that, I don't know specifically for the organization exactly who they partner with. Okay. That makes sense. You know, I'm also curious, you know, on the volunteering side, um, I would imagine, you know, are you guys pretty reliant on volunteers. I mean, you know, engineers like, like Jotsna, certainly not, you wouldn't want volunteers like me. I don't, I couldn't code my way out of a paper bag, but I I would imagine, I I don't know, like (laughs) tell me about the volunteer roles and the kind of things that the organization needs. So when they created the program, they created it. Volunteers were part of the curriculum they were going to teach. And the hope was that the bringing in mentors and having volunteers would provide sort of a social aspect and and participants of the program could get real feedback, like live feedback about what being in the tech industry in Indiana is like. But then COVID happened. So now everything's done digitally, but things are about to open again. The mentorship and volunteer part, what I've learned is one of the most important for the program participants while they're in the facility learning. And even it's priceless once they're released. I think, you know, when you're incarcerated, there's loss at so many different levels, but the loneliness and the fear and social isolation sort of the affiliation of being formerly incarcerated. You create sort of, you adapt to distrusting everyone and you you begin distancing yourself. And 
for volunteers and mentorships, you know, whether it's just one person who wants to help, whether it's an organization or an entity, a nonprofit that wants to help or, or employers, you know, it's unbelievably impactful. There's a fundamental need for it. Yeah, I agree. The, one of the most impactful things that happened to me, uh, during my course through the program was when SEP came to visit us. Jotsna was actually there, right? I got to meet her like while I was going through the program. And, you know, I was about halfway through and we were learning all this stuff. But like many of us in the class, I was unsure if it was actually something that I wanted to do with my life, right? Like, I, I mean, we didn't have any insight into like what a day in the life of a software engineer even looked like. And, you know, SCP came in and visited us for a day. Um, They brought us some supplies like sticky notes and some books on like user story mapping. And they just talked to us about like what the life of a software engineer is all about. Right. And at that point, like that's that's when I really decided that that's what I wanted to do. Right. That I wanted to pursue this when I got out. And I think for several of, of us, that was the point when we really started to buckle down and take it seriously and, you know, it gave us more drive and, you know, there's, there's so many ways that companies like SEP or, or any company can, can get involved with the last mile or help out that, you know, they can, they can send people in to visit, right. Just like Joe came in, they could donate, they could donate money. They could set up, you know, an apprenticeship or get interested in hiring graduates. Like there's just, there's just so many different ways to volunteer and help out. And like all of them are so appreciated. Mm. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a social, I like to think of it as a social enterprise. You know, the goal is to create innovative and collaborative solutions that'll change sort of the current approach to justice system and transform individual lives, build their character, you know, create skill acquisition, give them resources and how to equip them. And kind of with everything that's happened with in our world in the past year to enact structural change and address and repair you know, collateral harm and encourage full and active community and participation, regardless of their justice involvement, is so important. It's really, really important. And it's it's community healing. That's great to hear. Jen, I had one question related to that. How many of the students that have that were released recently have actually been reintegrated into the workforce? I know you're working on that now. Wow. Uh, so I would say about 20. We're right, I, that's, we're at 20 right now where they have been employed or they're continuing their education or they're not ready yet, but they're still working with me and we're walking through the reentry and the transitional process. Um, yeah, 20 is a good number. That's awesome. I would imagine there are some unique challenges in, you know, walking somebody through that reentry process, you know, into the workforce, 
I mean, can you can you share a little bit about that? What that looks like, and maybe some of the the things that that you've experienced or or helped people through. Sure. I mean, as I stated before, the collateral consequences and and effects, unintended or unknown or <laughs> intended and known, are are profound. It's traumatic. So right from the gate. If they're in the program, their first, the only thing I really request of the students in the program is just to call me. I need, I want to know that they want this. If they want this, then I can help them. And so every, for the most part, everybody has. But for me specifically, I take it case by case. I create my own sort of action plan. I find out before they're released what they need. And Department of Corrections is working really hard on helping with that part because, you know, you're released from prison and you get out, you don't have a house more than likely, or you're going to a transitional home, probably don't have a driver's license. You probably owe thousands of dollars in courts, courts, fines and restitution. Now you've learned how to code, but you've got, if, you know, if you have children and if you're continuing, because most, I mean, in Indiana, most people don't release from prison and not have some kind of monitoring through the county that they live in. So you're going to have to continue with that and home detention and work release and probation and follow all their rules. And then there's mental health, which is also something I'm really passionate about and how you ended up there and the changes that you need to make in order to stay on a different path. Addiction's huge. You know, it's it's a huge percentage of the prison population right now. So recovery, resources and help and just... I'm a recovering addict, so it's not going to go away. <laughs> That's for sure. It's a, it's a lifelong disease. And so it's, and they do have, Department of Corrections does have substance abuse. They have a program inside the facilities, but it's nothing like what real treatment would be like on the outside. And so for me, I just, we just kind of start like with Jacob's a great example. He's one of my favorite to talk about because he, he really, he got out and he had nothing and he had to do it all. He had to pay everything off, get his license, you know, get a car, find a quick job. Cause they're, if you're on probation or home detention, they're going to want their first payment in two weeks after you're released. And so <laughs> We had a lot of conversations to that first couple months. I'm on the phone a lot with with each person and there's crying and there's frustration and there's anger and there's I want to give up. I'm tired of this. Why isn't this working out and all that? But once and I kept telling them too, I was like, just trust me and listen. Just trust me and listen. Take it one day at a time. We're gonna get through this. And so he did a great job. Jacob did a great job on his end. He just, he just powered through like he went, when, cause it's hard and every day you're going to have one to 20 excuses to stop and you just can't, you have to keep going and keep trying. doesn't matter how many no's you get. So yeah, 
Jacob was, he was great. I, yeah. That's great to hear. So Jacob, what, what did you learn? What else did you learn at the last mile that helped you besides coding and possibly entrepreneurship? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Like some of the like extra things that they taught ended up being important. They did a thing like on elevator speeches, you know, just how to, how to like pitch yourself right in like 30 seconds or 60 seconds. If you meet somebody at a function and you really don't have a bunch of time to like, you know, kind of pitch yourself, just how to do that really quickly. That came in handy stuff like how to write a resume, right? Because a lot of people have never done that. Like they had a, some, some really cool talks where like a guy who had worked for the Obama administration, like called in live on the, on the video screen and talk to us about like how to frame your story, right? Like how to, how to tell your story and describe your experience and describe yourself to potential employers, to like, you know, anybody like how to frame your story in the way that you want it told. Right. And try to get people to not just view you as a criminal or an addict or a convict or, you know, how to, how to frame it in a, in a way that, that, you want it to be heard. And that ended up being really powerful for a lot of us. So it wasn't just coding. Like there were, there were a lot of extra things that they taught us that were instrumental in, you know, me going on and being successful. So that is so neat to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and also I think definitely things that I know I would take for granted. I'm glad somebody has figured out that, you know, people, people need these other elements of support. That's really cool. You know, Jacob, I'm curious, you know, can you tell us a little bit about maybe your favorite or most memorable, I don't know if it was a lot of project work or not, but maybe the thing that you worked on in the middle of the, like during the program? Sure. So um, I had finished some of my project work early and just had like, you know, a few weeks of like free time to kind of code whatever I wanted. And I teamed up with the guy who was next to me and we decided to build uh, risk the board game I don't know if you've ever played the board game I, risk I have we, we recreated like a, a digital version on the computer from scratch just using oh that's cool yeah just using the web browser and JavaScript and I mean everything from the animations to like the drawing of the cards to like you know, NPCs and the computer making decisions. And so we spent weeks like working on it together and, you know, splitting up the tasks like you would, you know, if you were working on it, you know, for a software firm, right? Like we, it was, so it was really, really cool. And then in the end, we got to spend, you know, weeks testing is, is how we described it to the teacher, right? We had to like test, but it was really just playing risk all day. <laughs> 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 Right, so it really worked out for us. Yeah, it's when you and, and it's great when you can blame a loss on a bug. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's yeah, funny. My uh, my freshman year in college, I took a computer science class, and we had to build. I want to say Pac Man, and I don't even remember what it was, but that was the moment I realized, yeah, I don't want to be an engineer. I am not suited for this. <laughs> you know, love technology, but. I'm I'm gonna go study something else. Uh, this is I my brain is not wired for this, so that's that's really cool. Yeah, it, yeah, it was neat, man. That's probably the favorite thing that I built. You know, 
I mean, TLM really, like their curriculum um, and how it starts out, like with the basics and then gradually gets like more complicated. Like they, they do a really good job on like pacing things really well. And like some of the projects that they have picked out for students to build and, and learn with are are just really great, man. Like they, they've gone to a lot of trouble to um, to nail like teaching people how to code. And, you know, I'm, when I look back on, you know, some of the things that I learned along the way and, and how much I use them now, like I'm amazed, like how, how great of a job, like they really did. So. Well, you know, what's interesting, one of the questions that I had coming into this was, you know, what kind of prerequisites does somebody need? And, you know, from just hearing some of it, like really there none, an interest, uh, a yeah, desire yeah. to to learn this is really the only thing. It sounds like, yeah, pretty much. You you are required like your GED, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, what what is what does the selection process look like? I mean, if they if they don't have any prerequisites, yeah, they just the willingness to learn. They do have to have a high school diploma or a GED, and that's there are cert, certain sentencing that will kind of tap them out of the applicant pool so they there there's a logical test you guys took a logical test right jacob yes and then they there is a pretty thorough interview process an application process and it's really up to the specific correctional facility the instructor in the room and then they choose, I help if they need it, you know, how to actually be accepted into the program. But the willingness to learn and just want to change your life is needed. And that's really what everyone is looking for when they're interviewing applicants. People, because coding is not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy subject. And so, it's not. yeah, you got to have the person the perseverance and you got to want to show up every day and work hard. Yeah, that's great. Jacob, our our last question uh, before we wrap up here, what's one thing that you, anybody listening, do you feel like they should know about the last mile program? Yeah, that's a pretty easy one. I mean, that graduates coming out are prepared for jobs in tech, right? And that all of them have worked super hard to get through that program and to get to where they are and that all of them deserve a chance, right? Like they would all make great employees. Like the things that they had to do to graduate that program, like, man, they would all make great employees. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting involved or thinking about hiring a last mile graduate, like take it from me that it would be a good decision. Like, yeah, they're all going to make great employees. That's great. I, I appreciate you being willing to, to kind of share your story, both of you. You know, Jen, I know that you had your own journey through this and, and are now supporting the organization itself. It, it's been great to learn a ton about the organization. I didn't know any of this ahead of time, which was super fun. I could I could genuinely be curious. So I, I appreciate your time and willingness. Uh, you guys have been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zach, for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Hey, man, Jotsna, that was a fun conversation we just had with Jacob and Jen. What did you think about that? Yeah, that was great. You know, what TLM is doing is so close to my heart. 
I just loved the personal stories that they had to tell about how um, the last mile has helped them get back on their feet and how it continues to do so for others as well. So I loved it. I, I I share that sentiment. I didn't know as much about The Last Mile coming into this conversation, you know, a, a little bit of research for the show. I also didn't know that uh, that you and Jacob had actually met before and uh, you were you were kind of a mentor for him through through one of the days that uh, that we went to visit. I had mm-hmm. no idea. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. It was that was one of the things that really stuck with me. The the class that he was he attended his all the students they were just so engaged, it was just it was an amazing experience. That's awesome. So you know, g- give me give me one or two other things from the from the conversation that you feel like uh, listeners should walk away with. I think they should realize that the, the challenges that the last mile faced were just huge. It's like a pioneering organization getting into a space mm. where nobody has gotten. And that they have succeeded in reintegrating so many of the released prisoners. It's just heartening. It's just it's just a great story on its own. And yeah, and another and the, another thing is that big companies are helping build a kinder and more empathetic world. is is so is so good. It's we're going in the right direction. That's awesome. You know, I really thought that you know Jacob's experience through the program and his point around being forced to learn without uh you know without google without some of the the things that we take for granted when we're learning new things in our normal day-to-day lives you know forced him to think outside the box and kind of gave him kind of a different skill than some of us may not necessarily develop so easily mm-hmm. I, I just i i never thought about that angle before just being able to work within that constraint and and develop it into a skill rather than rather than a thing that inhibits you uh, was just really really cool. So thoroughly enjoyed learning about uh, you know his journey, the the uh, organization of TLM, uh, Jen's role within that, and kind of how people can get involved. So I appreciate you so much for being my co-host on the show and uh, and and for joining for this conversation. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Zach. Thank you for having me. 